Welcome to This Conscious Life with Emina and Paul Rushton. In this modern world, where we're relentlessly plugged in, yet increasingly disconnected, perpetually doing, yet so rarely just being, processing overwhelming amounts of information, yet still searching for the truth, it's time to come up for air. Here, within this community, we share stories, rituals and recipes for a beautifully humble but plentiful life, and we intersperse these with the pilgrimages we take to visit those who have taught us profoundly powerful things about humankind. By sharing our stories, we deepen our connections and remind ourselves of all that unites rather than divides us. From holistic wisdom to slow, sustainable lifestyles, spiritual nourishment to conscious parenting, this is your weekly Conscious Living Guide, here to inspire and illuminate, connect and nurture, just as nature intended. Welcome to episode 5 of This Conscious Life. Episode 5 is all about sattva. On June 4th this year, mine and Paul's first book arrives into the world. It was a book we started writing last year, a book we carried around in our heads with us for a couple of years before that, and a book which is really not a book. It's a way of life that has increasingly revealed itself to us the more we've rooted ourselves in nature, the closer we've gotten to our garden, the more we've simplified the things, the number of things to be done in any day. It was an energy and a feeling more than an idea or a thought. Sattva is a Sanskrit word and the root of the word, sat, means truth. So sattva is essentially a feeling that guides us back to the very truth of life, the core of what the goodness of life was always meant to be about. Truth, light, love, goodness, The story that led us to Sattva, which we share in the first episode of this podcast, was really just a time of relentless doing. So much, so much to do all the time. You know, we were rushing and racing. There was so much work to be done. We were both living in London. We were both commuting. We were both working very late most days. Paul would work night shifts um, a lot. We lived on a very busy road. There was no, no real sense of peace or quiet. And we were relentlessly plugged in. You know, in the intro to this podcast, those words rose up and they became very important for us. The idea that you are plugged in so much of the time, yet you feel more disconnected than ever because you're plugged into something which isn't feeding you and nourishing you. We awoke with a bump. Um, <laughs> we we realised that something had to change and when I fell pregnant, as I think for a lot of women, it was, it was a signal that uh, the busyness of life and the extreme natures of life so going to bed incredibly late waking up early living in air-conditioned environments rarely getting outside not seeing the change in seasons forgetting to look up at the sky um, eating convenience food so much of the time you know all of these things weren't weren't serving us well they weren't nourishing us and though we were both intuitively led to 
cooking at home and using good ingredients and we'd already started to make quite conscious decisions about our lives it was just the the unsustainable fullness and busyness of every single day that made it impossible for us to always prioritize the things that we needed most I think you know there is this really topsy-turvy um sort of hierarchy of of importance in our lives sometimes where we put work um and the pressures of work and deadlines and and money and success and all of these things at the very very top of our priority lists and we think that nothing else is more important than that you know I've had lots of conversations with mothers whose children have been terribly poorly or you know or, you know, people who have been struggling through an illness or really just in pain or really should not be working, but but the idea that they wouldn't work is 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 crazy. You know, they couldn't it seems so unacceptable to be able to say, actually I can't make the meeting today, or I won't be on that call, or I'm not going to meet this deadline because my child is sick, or I've had a, an appalling week, or I'm just, I need to take care of myself and I'm not able to do this right now. And we, this is human, you know, we should all be able to do this. But we have this sort of topsy-turvy hierarchy a lot of the time where, you know, we've all done it. You know, I've been on phone calls where my baby woke up suddenly and was crying and my heart is is pounding in my chest because, you know, I'm in the other room with the door closed on this phone call that's got people from three different countries on it and I'm leading the call and I need to say to everybody, I'm so sorry, unexpectedly my child has woken up and I cannot let her scream and cry. I'm going to go and look after her and I will come back to this call later. Just, you know, can't can't even find that language. So, you know, I'm on the on the call, my heart's pounding, and I want to go to my baby so much, and I'm not thinking straight, and I'm not making sense, but there's this really rigid, conditioned part of my brain that's telling me that I have to be professional, and I just have to have to tie up the call, and I have to I have to do it because it's my job. Of course, my job is also to be a mother that's my role. My role is to be a wife and to be a human being and someone who should be allowed to feel their way moment by moment. And I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling and that sort of scenario. And there were lots of these kind of moments and experiences that kept kept happening. And, you know, for a really long time, they made me very frustrated because I had this very overly simplistic black and white ideology. You know, I work, I earn money, I support my family, I should be able to leave everything else to one side and step out of my front door and go off and do that and nothing else should impinge on that and I should be a very professional person. Then when I'm at home, I'm a very devoted mother and you know a lot of the time that happens naturally your children are at school they're happy or they're they're being cared for by someone else that you trust you know in my case they're with daddy and I go off to work and I enjoy it and it's very fulfilling and I come back home again but you know life doesn't always run on these very easily separable clearly delineated lines um you know the light, they collide a lot of the time. These two parts of our lives collide. And it was these collisions that, um, you know, these repeated collisions of me thinking, I cannot get this work done because I've got a sick child and I've got a baby who gets into my bed at night and I'm not feeling great and I'm struggling and I'm exhausted and I'm still expected to show up and smile and shine and it really did take quite a few years for me to for me to accept that nothing nothing finite or 
measurable was going to change. My children weren't suddenly going to stop getting sick or waking up in the middle of the night or needing me. That was life. So I had to change my expectations and I had I had to really, it was a long process of understanding that I wanted to work. I love working, I love creating, I love writing, I love doing the work that I do, but it really did have to be on my own terms. And once I woke up to that, and once I realised that, and once I understood that, you know, my nature, our nature as human beings, is to feel our way moment by moment, It's not to commit to something that's going to happen in two weeks' time and say, I'll absolutely be there. We don't know what's going to happen on that day. We don't know what's going to happen in the, you know, the the intervening period. We don't know what life will throw throw in our paths. But we we plan our lives down to the to the minute. And sattva was the energy of trusting the flow of life and it was understanding that my true nature as somebody who would cancel on people sometimes who wouldn't meet their deadlines who didn't want to get on a train and go to this really important meeting or event because my baby girl was poorly and I just wanted to be at home with her on my lap and I wanted to just have her in my arms that didn't make me weak and it didn't mean I was flawed it meant that I was just really very human. And the more I embraced that part of myself and the more I felt my way into each day. So life, you know, you start to make the decisions and then other decisions flow from it. So I left London. It was no longer where I lived. I left my London office and we... For the magazine I worked for, Psychologies, we moved to Kent. Then I left that office and ended up working from home a lot more. And then recently I've also left the magazine because even the monthly meeting of deadlines and then the, you know, the thousands of emails that I receive that need answers and the logistics there, even those started to feel too heavy for my shoulders, actually. And what I found was that I just needed more and more fluid flowing outlets for the things I wanted to do and create and the more I trusted that the easier the process became and I don't have it all mapped out but you know one of the beautiful parts of sattva you know when we invite sattva into our lives is that we really do trust that things will happen as they are meant to And this is at the very core of our nature as human beings. We're born trusting. We we know the things that we need to know. We know how to feed and we know how to eliminate. We know how to nuzzle and snuggle and seek out skin. You know, skin to skin as babies feeds us. And then we put all of these layers of conditioning and clothing and detachment on top of them and we become more and more removed from our core needs. So that upside down topsy-turvy hierarchy I talk about where we put work and success and wealth and achievement and status at the top of it, our core needs our nourishment, you know, water, food, light, oxygen and love. They're the only things we truly need, yet we're, you know, we forego them, we we devalue them and we often, they're often, you know, we can go weeks without really bringing any of those things into our lives, rushing past our loved ones, not having meaningful conversations, not sitting down to eat nourishing meals, you know, living on convenience food, not getting out to breathe fresh air, not pausing and stopping long enough 
to feed up that really hungry part of ourselves that needs those things but is neglected in favour of the, the doing and the pushing and the striving because I think of where we came from, you know, Paul and I both had very, you know, we there were struggles and there were challenges and we didn't sit down and have actual conversations or make literal decisions about, you know, these things aren't good for us, these things are, let's do more of these. Again, it was a feeling in and I think you know, when, once we moved out of London and we just found our way to this little cottage in a really quiet little part of Kent on a little terrace, you know, the rhythm of life and the rhythm of nature started to make itself known again and we invited it back in. We would open our windows wide and we would hear the birds and we would feel the breeze come in and we'd smell the flowers and we'd see the the changing moon. We'd understand very very keenly you know those subtlest shifts between early spring mid spring late spring and and you know how things how things just have their own natural rhythm the closer we got to nature and the closer we allowed ourselves to to sort of get back to our own nature the happier we became and sattva really is is the culmination of all of those things. You know, sattva is truth and it's love and it's light. And it's one of, in Ayurveda it's talked about, it's one of the gunas. And the gunas are the primal universal qualities that run through every part of our universe. So sattva is is your peace and your equanimity, your truth, your love, your light. It's acceptance and kindness and gentleness. And it's the energy that that guides you to the best parts of yourself and to states of higher consciousness where you make better and kinder decisions. And the other two gunas are ones we're much more familiar with in our modern lives. So we have rajas, which is motion and movement, and it's the you know it's the the impetus that sort of shifts things. It's dynamism, and it's never still or in equilibrium, never static. And you know when we think about this constant motion, yeah, we start to see how that reflects in the lives that we lead, where we are continually on the go, where we're forever juggling things, where we always feel as though we're on the back foot or, you know, just about head above water. We have to keep paddling furiously in order to keep the head above water. And our fear is that if we stop paddling or thrashing around or swimming for our lives, that that we sink that there's no one there to catch us and we have to just keep on going and uh, you know I I have felt that for such long periods of my life I felt that for years and years on end when I was the sole income provider for our family when I felt I had to be everything to everyone and play every role perfectly and you know, was responsible for for balancing the books and bath time and, you know, planning everything. And all of these were just were just kind of constructs in my own mind. It wasn't the truth of the matter at all, but it was what I'd really I'd really lost sight of the truth actually. And the truth is sat for, so I'd lost sight of that. I'd lost sight of the fundamental goodness of life and how things can truly feel very gentle really as though no force is ever really needed they things just unfurl and and in their own time at their own rhythm and they just you just feel your way through the day but so many of us live in rajas, you know, just racing so much. And then the third guna, which we talk about, is tamas. And tamas is is heaviness. 
its inertia, its darkness and feeling very blocked, very, very lost, its deepest depression, its um, feeling morose, demotivated, immovable. And, you know, that, that dynamic between the moving, 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 rushing, racing, getting home and then kind of passing out on the sofa and being unable to move, that's us that's us living a day that's just dominated by Rajas and then being so wiped out and spent at the end of the day that we have nothing left to give and that's that is Tamas and there were years lived you know between Rajas and Tamas Rajas and Tamas where Sattva didn't really didn't get a look in and it's you know it was it's been a very slow unravelling. It's been an understanding that certain things really feed us up, really nourish us, really balance us, calm us, soothe us, and other things adrenalise us, tax us, deplete us. And yes, of course, we need to motivate ourselves. We need to get up and get on and achieve and create. And we, there is, there is inarguably doing to be done but we need the antidote as well we need the natural counterbalancer and and that's sattva and sattva is something we are all in modern life so very deficient in you know we're so set on the end goal you know we like our stories to have their beginnings and their middles and their ends and we we gravitate towards these stories with their neat and tidy conclusions. And the stories we tell societally are are very linear. You know, I was born here with nothing. I worked incredibly hard and built everything up with my own bare hands. And look, here I am now, the king of my castle. You know, we tell these stories of coming from nothing and and, and sort of you end up ruler of the world. These These are inspiring and they show the grit and determination of, of, of humankind. And there's much to be learned from, you know, I look at someone like Greta Thunberg and her absolute dedication to her cause. And it's not painless and it's not easy. And she has to fight. She has to stand up and speak. She has to put herself in situations that make her uncomfortable and she's doing incredible things while she does it. She really is and I I admire her so deeply and many, many, many other people who who have taken these journeys and chosen these difficult paths. You know, people like Satish Kumar who who chose to walk across the world as a peace activist with no money in his pocket, just talking to people just talking to them, just sharing a message of peace and love. Gandhi, Mother Teresa, all of these people who flood our consciousness, they, all of their intentions, all of their goodness comes from sattva, it comes from the, the, the source of goodness and truth that, that is within all of us, that is the that unites human consciousness and you know when we are at our kindest and best and most united this is where we find ourselves you know sattva abounds but the problem with these stories is that they really sanctify the the hardness and the struggle and the pain of the work you know and they make they make it seem very honourable um, and very sort of holy in a way. You know, the way that you you almost kill yourself to achieve the thing that you need to achieve. And there's something very difficult in that, something very frightening in that, and actually something which if you if you just root yourself in in the simplest living principles and the simplest rhythms of life, you see that so much happens in nature in a way that involves no force whatsoever. There is birth and death and they run alongside one another and there's creation and there's destruction 
But the way of nature is always cyclical. So we don't we don't start somewhere, work incredibly hard and end up somewhere. And that the you know, everything you know, that idea actually that it doesn't matter who you hurt along the way, it doesn't matter what you sacrifice along the way, it doesn't matter what you what you lose or forego along the way, as long as you get to where you need to be. It's such it's such an aggressive way to think. With sattva, it really is very, very different. You move and you get on with your life and you get up, you get on, you create, you do, you work. But when you do it in a sattvic way, you do it with patience, with kindness, with generosity. You understand that if you have to harm someone or hurt someone or compete with someone to their detriment in order for you to progress and win what you want to win, that ultimately what you win becomes hollow that the harm you've inflicted upon the way completely eclipses your success and, and your reward. Sattva is about living your life according to the truth of goodness, the truth of nature, the, without doing any harm. You flourish because others flourish, others flourish because you flourish, and there's, there's an inbuilt, innate connectedness, a commonality and a communality as well where we commune, where we come together as real communities. I remember sitting um, opposite an Ayurvedic doctor once, um, a really lovely man who I was sort of just catching, I didn't know him well at all, we were just passing time and you know, he asked about my life and I said, it's good. It's really good. It's really busy. There's always so much to do and I have so many different responsibilities. You know, I, I, I'm an editor and I'm an author and I run my own consultancy and I'm a mother. I have two daughters and I'm the income provider and I'm a wife and, you know, and he just sort of looked at me and smiled and I thought he was going to sympathise and say, oh, yes, you've got a lot on your plate, bless you. And he didn't. He smiled and he said, so many blessings. And I burst out laughing because it was absolutely true. Every single thing I listed was a blessing. The work that I do, my children, my life, my home, my husband, blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing, yet somehow my mind had made them into lines on a list, you know, a list of things that needed something from me, that required something from me. And all it took was a shift in perspective to realise that that wasn't the case at all. They were choices. I chose to become a mother. I chose to become a writer. I chose to create this podcast. I chose to come and live in the country. I chose to work and support my family. These are choices. Even when we think we have no choice, there's always a point at which a decision is made and it could have been a different one to the one we do make. Allowing ourselves to think that we really don't have a choice is incredibly disempowering and it's something I've been very guilty of in the past. After I met this this lovely man and he shifted my perspective, he then shared a wonderful piece of advice with me and I'm going to, this was a long time ago and I've met, um, I've met quite a few people since and I want to ensure that I share his story honestly so I'll put his name and where he works. He works at um he works all over the world actually, but he's based in India and then works in Switzerland part of the year. So I'm going to put his details in the show notes. But he said, you know, it's not about time. It's about rhythm. And as soon as he said that, you know, the resonance in my chest was incredibly strong. Because again, I'd been thinking, 
my roles, my titles, my responsibilities, my time, my to-do list, rather than this is what I choose to feel today, this is what I choose to invite into my life today, this is what I feel like doing today. And in fact, counterintuitively, it's always been the weeks where I've ostensibly done the least that I seem to have achieved the most. I've been at my desk just one day out of five all week this week, because I've done many other things that have clarified my decisions, my thoughts, my intentions, I've managed to complete a lot in quite a short space of time whilst seated at my desk. And I've also been able to delegate things to others, realise that certain things didn't even need to be done, and just move them off the pile. There is a rhythm, there is a rhythm that we can tap into, and it's it's nature's rhythm. And when we align with nature, we really find that sattva abounds, this quality of nature that naturally supports us. You know, we feel it the first day of our cycles as women, if instead of instead of pushing through what we might feel, we decide to do the opposite and just lie down, you know, just lie down and rest and and our body just breathes a huge sigh of relief and everything just happens far more gently as a result of doing that. You know, there's no, there's no better way to relearn our natural rhythms, you know, what our resting states should feel like, you know, or indeed that we should even have resting states or, and breathing spaces. You know, we look at the world around us and we, the natural world, and nothing blooms all year round. Everything needs to fade away. Everything needs to put energy into its seeds and its roots. It needs to have a period of absolute stillness where it's feeding itself up from within, but it's conserving movement and energy. We are no different. So what really changed was, well, so many things, but they all began with the simplest, easiest things. Um, you know, when we moved and we found ourselves in a different part of the world and our outgoings had decreased, so we didn't need to work as hard. I, you know, I looked at what I was spending, Paul looked at what he was spending, we looked at what we were spending as a family. We reframed our priorities completely. You know, I was someone who was brought up with quite an immigrant mentality, you know, my parents, my, my father came to this country in the, uh, in the 70s, and my mother was born here, um, but you, things like new clothes for your children, brand new shoes, shiny shoes, you know, getting them on the property ladder, um, updating, updating your car, you know, these things are an outward sign that you're doing very well, you know, and not in a, not absolutely not in a way to show off or a status kind of thing, but in a way that you can feel quite proud of because you've made a success of your life and you, in, in terms of how society values one's path through life, you can kind of tick those boxes and say, I've clothed my children, I've fed my children, I've helped my children get on the property ladder. That gives you such pride. It's, and it's, you know, we, that's a very kind of core core part of the immigrant mentality in lots of ways and I had to go off and really unpick that a lot because I carried it with me really deeply and I wanted my children to not ever have a hole in their clothes or stains on their socks or um, their shoes to be polished all the time and I would order them new clothes every couple of months and you know, sort of iron them and hang them up and think, yes, they've got lovely clothes for this season, they've got nice clothes for this season. The truth was I could never really afford to do it. And I would often shop at quite affordable places. But of course, the impact of, you know, of those industries um, is not, is often not very positive at all. So there was this, you know, there was this disconnect between wanting to support my family but doing it in ways which were to potentially to the detriment of other people's families 
you know, and and again, that was really unpicked. And, you know, this emphasis that we put on newness, you know, something has to be brand new. And, you know, getting really comfortable with the fact that it's totally fine for something not to be new. And my youngest always wears the clothes that come down from my eldest and our friends, lots of our friends who perhaps do spend that bit more on clothes will we'll pass their children's clothes on to us. To me, they look brand new anyway. I have no, you know, there's no residual shame or embarrassment there in my kids going out in whatever clothes they want to wear. It doesn't really matter to us at all. Um, and just kind of re realigning our priorities there. So, you know, we did we did those simple things. There was a lot of doing involved, I suppose. But then the little baby steps led to other things. And we just started to, we really started, it's like kind of walking into a maze with your eyes closed and just reaching your hands out and feeling your way. And you start to feel your way towards warmth and towards light. And, you know, we realised that I didn't want to wake up extra early, be out of the house before the children were even up, commuting on the same train that everybody else does. I didn't want to stay up past dusk. I don't want to rush home, race home without there being any bridge between a a really frenetic working day and then, you know, quite a loud, boisterous evening with the children. I want there to be big periods of calm where we can catch our breath. I want to carry our plates out into the back garden, sit on the grass and eat there. I want to be home in time to do that. I want to be able to wake up slowly and sit and watch the sun rise. And I want to be able to just stretch and do a couple of sun salutations and have my girls pad down the steps and join me. I want there to be enough time for these things. And so in order for that to happen, it was the rhythm of my life that needed to change. I didn't want to commute anymore, so I changed the way I worked so that I would stop commuting. I get to wake up, I get to be at home, I get to root myself in my own environment, and I have much more autonomy as a result. I don't want to travel up and down the country for my work, I don't want to get on aeroplanes for my work, so... I've stopped taking trips. I that's my choice. I you know, I've I've adapted the work that I've chosen because certain things weren't making me feel good anymore. So I've chosen to not do those things and choose to do others instead. With sattva, you know, there's just this peaceful feeling of of acceptance and it's it just continually reminds you of what life was always meant to be about and that there was never a need for you to force against things or fight things you know we talk about having to fight the system and societally yeah we do have to fight the system sometimes the system is broken it's seriously broken And if we choose to use the system as the framework for everything we do, then our lives and our choices will feel flawed as a result because they're built on really really shaky foundations. But if we choose to build our lives on Mother Earth's foundation, on the soil and on the cycles of nature, on the movements of the moon on the changing seasons, if we choose to live seasonally, we choose to adapt day by day. As women, if we choose to honour our monthly cycle, if we get back to those rhythms, that's when we find sattva, that's when we wake up to the, the real easy magic of the everyday. When we live this way, you know, life's no longer a mystery. We don't, we don't wake up thinking, what is this all about? What is the point? And it's not a battle and it's not, it's not a tragedy. It doesn't have any, there's no adjective. There's no noun that can encapsulate it. It just is. You know, the meaning of life 
is so simple. It's just to live it. You know, that brilliant Alan Watts quote, he says, we're all so busy rushing around trying to work out what the meaning of life is. And we kid ourselves into thinking that the meaning is beyond ourselves when it's just the opposite. It's just exactly what we're doing, just living. Living is the point. All that we need, we already are. And we just have to remember that. And then we just have to start reclaiming it. So some of the really simple ways, and sattva is, it does quite a few things. There are lots of practical rituals and exercises and meditations in there. But it's also a journey, a written journey that really invites you to question the norm and it really the hope of the book that we've written which we are deeply proud of and truly honored to have been to just have been invited to write it the way we wanted to write it and that's because that's because of Hay House our incredible publisher who just embraced us from the beginning and at no point said "Mm, we think it's a bit wordy or we think it's a bit rambly or you know maybe make it a bit snappy or a bit catchier they did the exact opposite it just poured out of our hearts it poured out onto the page I think we wrote the entire book in about three three and a half months just sat side by side we wrote it in our garden we wrote it looking out at our garden when it was raining and we wrote it from a beautiful cafe in the middle of woodland in Kent where we often go and practice yoga and go for long walks with our children and it just poured out of us and it does take you on a bit of a journey the book you know it begins with our story and our conditioning and then, it, you know, it's root, the entire book is rooted in Vedic teachings and we, Sattva is obviously, this comes from Vedic teachings and it's a, it's a really beautiful core concept in yoga too, yoga being one of the Vedic sciences. It's a journey and it's a story, but it's a, just a story of humankind. It's a story of waking up to our birthrights to our natures, all of us as human beings. It's a waking up to how much we've forgotten, to how much we've lost, to how much we've sacrificed in the name of supposed success. It's it's a story about having things topsy-turvy and thinking that you that you're happy but you feel utterly hollow and empty and you really don't understand why because on paper society tells you you have everything you could possibly want. And it's it's just a really true, honest celebration of sattva, which is the is just it's the energy that you can trust in to take you back to the very best parts of yourself, to what you were always destined to be, to to embody and to become, because you were born that way. You were born that way and we, we let ourselves forget it. We have it beaten out of us. We have it conditioned out of us so, so much. And there are there are lovely simple practices we share in the book and I'm just going to share a couple of them here now. We'll also be sharing some um, on our blog which is thisconsciouslife.co. All of this will be happening in its own rhythm. We don't promise dates for things because life doesn't work like that. And, you know, if someone were to click on our blog today, they'd, and we, I'm recording this in, in May, they would see that um, we still have content on our homepage, which is about January, because I'm a human being, and, and I realised this, but it was the middle of the night, and I didn't want to go on my laptop, and other things have happened, and it's just absolutely fine and human to not always be on top of everything. I think 
you know, it's an incredibly precarious position to be in anyway. If you're always on top of everything, it feels as though that that tower can fall at any time. And we're not building towers, we're just taking little baby steps. And one of the one of the baby steps we take, and it doesn't happen every morning, but on the mornings when it does happen, there's there's a significant difference in how we feel as we as we enter our day. We just rise with intention, with gentle intention before the sun has risen. There's a beautiful description of this time of the day in Ayurveda, Brahma Mahurda, which is God's hour. So the time when the, the natural wisdom and wonder of, of the world is is more easily accessed and more tangible and you rise before sunrise and you just sit quietly you know I will come to I will feel my way back into my body I will open my eyes if it's chilly I'll reach for my robe or a blanket I'll put socks on I'll clean my eyes gently with some warm water I'll clean my tongue and then I'll boil the kettle so I'll head downstairs I'll boil the kettle have a sit, sit really peacefully on the floor, on a cushion if it's cold, with my warm water, my hot water, sip it and breathe and some days I'll just watch the sun come up, so from darkness to lightness and just feeling that and just watching that transition is all I need. Other days I'll close my eyes and I will meditate for 20 minutes and as I open my eyes the sun will have risen or be rising and that always feels like such a gift. This daily miracle that we so rarely get to witness and that's, it's in those moments when you really feel sattva, when people are slumbering and there's peace and you're breathing very slowly and very calmly and you feel very rooted and very grounded and very centered and very trusting just trusting that this is a good day I feel good in myself what comes next will will flow and that's a beautiful way to bring sattva into your life we also you know, with all the moving we do, with the rajas, the racing, the movement, the dynamism, we also understand that movement is important, but we need to counterbalance the adrenalizing, unrelenting movement of our days. And that could just be the busyness of our minds or the pressure that builds up in our chests as we do things at an unnatural pace, if we feel we feel anxious or unsettled. And we need to balance that with stillness. We need stillness. And for so many of us, we'll leave a very adrenalizing work day and we'll head to our nearest gym or fitness studio, which is, you know, air conditioned and fluorescent strip lit with music pounding. And it adrenalizes us again. So adrenaline is already pumping through us. And we take ourselves to a place to ostensibly blow off steam and and get get work that frustration out of our bodies you know work that tension out of our bodies but we get our heart pumping even more and we sweat and we we're not in a natural environment where we're naturally going to be breathing in oxygen um, or where the sun is on our skin and we'll be absorbing vitamin D or doing any of these things like surrounded by trees which will lower our cortisol levels. We're not doing any of those. We're just, we're just stressing ourselves out even more. So when you want to invite sattva in, you don't do those things. You do the opposite. Opposites balance each other. You go home and you roll out a blanket or your mat and you light a candle and you play beautiful soothing music and you lie down and you might just do yoga nidra you might follow a meditation you might just breathe you might just drop down to your knees 
and go into your version of child's pose. It doesn't need to be a pose. It doesn't need to be an asana. You might just want to lie down on your tummy and feel your chest in in you know inflate and then and then soften against the ground. You might want to go outside and lie on the grass. Put your feet into the soil. You might want to go and forage for something. Put your hands in the earth. You might want to sit outside and have a really lovely glass of wine, a cup of tea, but don't give yourself more things to do. Do things that slow your heart rate. Do things that slow your thoughts. Do things that soothe and ease your mind and your spirit. That's where you'll find sattva. So these are just very simple ideas. And there are so many more in the book. We'll be sharing so many more too at our blog, As and When the Time is Right. I, I'm sort of in a little bit of a transitionary period at the moment. I'm working on my last ever issue of Psychologies magazine, where I've been for nine years, where every woman I've worked with is like closest family, and I love them so dearly. And I'm just putting the final pages together for that final issue. I've just recorded the audiobook for Satfa as well and I have a sort of weekend of family celebrations ahead and I'm just trusting that the rhythm of all of this will just carry me through. I have some time now before my children return from school and I'm going to have a deep bath and I'm going to add jasmine and rose oils to my bath and I'm going to scatter calendula petals into it (laughs) and all of these beautiful natural sattvic plants and oils and practices massaging myself with oil lighting candles inviting light into our lives this is sattva choosing to sit in silence rather than with you know the background noise of a television or the hum and ping of the phone that's sattva choosing to feed yourself every day with seasonal whole prana rich food life-giving food that nourishes us that 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 lifts our senses you know that clears blockages that's sattva I will be returning to this subject many times over the coming months and ultimately this conscious life, the the idea, the source of it is sattva, all of it is sattva. Sattva is the truth of our nature, of mother nature and human nature and we feel it and we live it when we open our arms wide enough and open our eyes wide enough and our hearts wide enough to embrace it. To listen to more episodes, subscribe at iTunes. And to learn more about living a more conscious life, visit us at thisconsciouslife.co. Thank you for listening.